Welcome to Much to Discuss, a weekly conversation between the beautiful, talented, amazing, hilarious Kelly O'Shea and me, Steph Swan, tackling <laughs> culture, content, news, and topics we're absorbing this week. Kelly, it's our last episode of the year. And what a year to and remember. It is a year to remember. And I feel like you've had an interesting day. I have had an interesting day. <laughs> I feel like you might start crying. I did wake up. I had a dear friend of mine staying with me with her fiance. And so I woke up this morning at 6.30 to a text from her. She was out in the living room and she texted me saying, so I have some bad news. It appears as though your ceiling has a huge crack and is collapsing like it's falling through and sent me a picture of just a bowl on the ground with water in it wait okay <laughs> for context is it storming in new york at the moment like was yes. it raining overnight okay yeah so... heavy storms throughout the course of the day the leak just got progressively worse and worse and no one was coming to help me so i went to a doctor's appointment earlier and then i queued up the song alone again naturally by gilbert o'sullivan and i literally sobbed my eyes out <laughs> on the walk home and I felt a lot better. And there's a few things. First of all, and I think I've said this to you before, you're an emotional cutter and I'm here for it. Just, you know, you lean in, you go through, you add soundtracks to your feelings. I know that is true. <laughs> I was like, I know a song that I'm ready to play. And then I played it. Kelly's like, I'm going to score my life in real time and make everything feel more cute than it already does. No, that's actually completely true <laughs> the second thing is your ceiling has effectively collapsed like i've seen a photo there's a huge hole in your kitchen ceiling and for those who haven't played along in the real estate game in new york city you pay an obscene amount of money for something that you would never accept anywhere else yeah ever you know my first apartment in new york i came to love and i remember thinking of it as a palace and then my parents visited me for the first time and the look of horror on my dad's face when he saw my living conditions said many words. He thought the door to my bathroom was a spice closet. Like that's how small it was. If you want comfort, do not go to your dad. My dad called me earlier and he goes, your mom told me that you're having a hard time with your ceiling. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm not really in the mood to talk about it right now. And he goes, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I actually read an article earlier about how there was a girl in New York whose ceiling was leaking and then the entire building collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> and like clearly knows you well, should also recognize that this is the last thing that you need to hear. Like right. we don't need to plant any of those kind of seeds. We need to go into recognition of the shitty situation and hope not FYI building could collapse. Pile on. So that's okay. my life so, in my apartment that I'm going to continue living in. And you have some news on a new living situation. Well, yeah, I guess Christmas came early for you to close that out. Not really, <laughs> but can only go up from here. Sam and I have a moving date to an apartment in Melbourne, which is woo, beyond exciting. I have been without a permanent address now for a year over a year by the 19th of December. So since then I haven't had all my things in one place or felt connected. And it's been really good in many aspects to kind of untangle yourself on tether, but I'm really looking forward to building a little apartment 
and buying the furniture and creating our home in Australia. And little Ernie gets his proper little space and can't wait. We're going to be near a beach, very close to a lot of my friends. Like it's going to be amazing. So that's early next year. And there's a fair bedroom called Kelly's room. So that's important. I'm getting my plaque ready. What are you most excited for? I think it's properly starting the Australia chapter from like a more permanent basis. Yeah. And love mom and dad, but adults don't need to live under their parents' roofs for much time. So totally ready to spread our wings and fly, as they say. Do you feel like you having a start date in mind in the new apartment is changing at all how you're living in this interim phase? Other than just mentally knowing you've got a plan for the future, not really, because we always thought it would kind of come to be. You know, I think that everything I hoped the move home to Australia would bring its delivered and then some the work that I'm doing right now which is another kind of big highlight of mine at the moment being able to work in the conservation space meeting so many amazing people that just give me such hope for the future actually it's a concept I wanted to share with you it's called active hope and you know when someone's like oh hope it goes well one of my stakeholders explained to me that active hope is like you're still hoping for a certain outcome but you're actively contributing to that outcome so you're taking deliberate actions and steps toward achieving it so it's not just okay i hope like the climate crisis is gonna be addressed it's like i hope that that happens and also i'm working with this business that does revegetation of landscapes to repair the ecosystem etc so i don't know i feel like it's just a very positive sentiment and space to be in because whilst the problem can seem overwhelming there are actions we can all be taking and that businesses can be taking so it's just i feel really lucky to be learning from people who are experts in conservation in their different kind of niche pieces so i'm loving that and it's really just like where i was meant to land for the moment so that's been really fun too wait how many kudos are there in reflecting on this last year of your life i feel like there's so much that's happened that it'll really be a banner one of change but i don't know if there could be a better way for you to wrap up this chapter you know No, probably not, to be honest. And we've got a really fun trip down to Melbourne planned. We're stopping along the way and seeing friends. And yeah, so I'm very excited. I want to hear more about what's going on in your broader world, but I do have animal news from Australia for you to come. Please, give it to me. You want the animal news? Yeah. All right, Kelly. Unlike this fake news rat play you've been spreading. That fake news, it was (laughs) cool. This is Neil the seal. I need you to take out your phone. We're going to cut, obviously, this audio, but I'm going to share a few little TikToks with you and then we can discuss and we will link this on our page. Really what this is, down in Tasmania, Neil the seal disturbs the residents of a town and he is known for like his antics. He bothers everyone. He'll get in the middle of roads, sit in front of people's front doors, block cars from leaving. So go ahead and watch the little TikTok. I guess explain to our listeners what you just saw. Neil is a seal who has chosen to terrorize a neighborhood in kind of like a pranky type of way. Like he's going to take his naps in the middle of the street. I honestly, I don't know if he thinks what he's doing is funny or if he thinks that this is his town and everyone else is just living in it. Either which way, classic. You should follow his, he's got a TikTok page. I think he's an elephant seal. So he's actually still quite small for like the size he's going to get to. But this is getting picked up in like publications around Australia. And I think he's starting to go viral on TikTok. Talk about just animals up to cheeky little antics. It was right up your alley. 
that spreads joy. The only animal news I had for you was that I saw a group of people, probably 55 people that were bird watching, looking up into a tree in the West Village. And so I freaked out because I thought maybe it was Flacco the Owl and he's come from Central Park to the East Village over to the West Village. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to see Flacco the Owl, the celebrity owl in the West Village. And I got closer to the group. I actually took it at a little bit of a jog. And they were like, no, it's an ash-throated flycatcher. What is that? The dweebiest looking bird that you'll ever see in oh. your entire life. It's like <laughs> tiny. I didn't even spot it. And I was like, that's what all of you are here for. I feel like we're creating enemies as we go. Groups of people. And I think we've just added bird watches to our list. This is probably actually, like a super rare bird. I'm going to look it up. No, it says it's... A rare but regular vagrant to the East Coast. There you go. Rare but regular. Like, I feel like that's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, no. like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it just kind of make me mad. If I had seen I guess, the only owl that has been flying around New York, I would have been really excited about it. But it's just... Maybe the owl coming through the hole in your ceiling. <laughs> well... Oh my goodness. That's Before like, we move into our pop culture, do you have something from this year looking back in the spirit of Christmas, New Year's Eve that you're most grateful for? I think to a completely elevated level, this year was full of a lot of very thoughtful connection in my different subgroups and like setting myself up to engage with people and interests more thoughtfully. And that's very much something I would like to continue forward. So that's mine. I love that. What about you? Uh, yeah, I don't know why every time I'm surprised when you ask me my question back yeah, to like, you. <laughs> like I've got nothing prepared. <laughs> I suppose it would be gratitude around taking risks and creating discomfort, disrupting the status quo and what is perceived as normal because that's been pretty much my entire year as I gleefully look at people and say I'm unemployed and the rest of it. It's been one of the most rewarding years of my life. It's been so much fun. It's been so varied. Life feels really full. It's really empowering. So I would say that that I'm grateful to have made these decisions and obviously had a partner who was down as well. <laughs> that yeah. helps. Yeah. I'll forget him. And part of those decisions, of course. And it reminds me that doing things differently is something that like feeds my soul. And so there's some of that always. So we've kind of talked about every 10 years we want to take mini retirement and do this again. Not necessarily move, but you know, disrupt that status quo and do something quite different to keep challenging our perspective on things and how we live our lives. I don't know if that was clear or concise, but that I think it was great. I love that. It was good. <laughs> and so let's get into pop culture. Tell me, what do you have for me? The first thing I have for you is not a well-known story, but I felt it was very relevant to you in that you are in Australia and this is based in Australia. And that is that a woman in Australia has been charged with stealing a delivery van packed with 10,000 Krispy Kreme donuts. What? A 28-year-old woman stole a delivery truck from a petrol station in a Sydney suburb in the early hours of the 29th of November, and police found the vehicle abandoned a week later along with thousands of spoiled donuts at a car park. There you go. Well, unknown. Krispy Kreme donuts, obviously. They don't know if she knew about the donuts when she stole the car. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. You're like hoping for Rolexes in the back, but found Krispy Kreme donut. A shame, because they don't last for longer than a day. Like you would probably really enjoy no. yourself for 
one, two days. I was going to say like one or two donuts. You're looking at me like, what, you reckon you could eat just Krispy Kreme donuts for two days solid? I think I could eat 24 and then I would be upset. Okay, hold on. So in a period of 48 hours, 24 donuts is, you think you'd still be enjoying them up until the 24th donut? Yes. It would get worse over time. I think I would be like convincing myself by the, by 22, I would be like, eh, these aren't like great anymore. I think by the fifth, I've, this is, I've had enough. I really don't need more of this. What do you have to give in pop culture? My next pop culture story for you is that in the weeks following George Santos being expelled from Congress for a laundry list of alleged crimes and proven fabrications, the former congressman has been working hard to make some cash. He's been making cameos and has claimed that he's made more in one week than his yearly congressional salary of $175,000, is trash-talking his former colleagues on X, which is the new rebranded Twitter, and is also hitting the late-night circuit and reportedly has an agent, which is concerning. And at some point, he's going to have to face his 23 federal charges, including seven counts of wire fraud and three for money laundering. (laughs) He's such an unhinged human being. He is all I just sit here and I'm like, okay, how much longer can politicians exist? It just baffles my little mind. I do not understand it. It's just such a circus. Has it always just been like this? And because of no. now with social media and what have you, it's just we know more? No, I don't think so. Is this just where society is going in a post-Trump era? Yeah, I think that this is a unique time in history. There's always been political drama, but there was professionalism and I think education that was valued generally. And even amongst different parties, there was at least some layer of respect in conversation. The thing that I'm struggling with is how okay is it to laugh and engage with that content versus understanding how wrong he is i don't want any of my attention to profit this man you know what i mean yeah i'm with you on that it's kind of like in in a day and age where we realize that our eyeballs are the commodity a lot of the time it is hard but i agree with you around like it's time to start curating like look away i don't know i think of when there's a car accident and like it's human nature to want to slow down and like see what happened so this is almost i guess the virtual equivalent of that and it's time to keep scrolling. I'm with you on that. I'm trying to just scroll through these kind of things and people, even the like political drama in the US, I'm getting it served a lot less to me because I'm just flicking by it. Yeah, I think that's a good move. Seb, my husband, does a really good job of that. So maybe we should just let him organize our (laughs) social media platforms from now on. Actually, such a good idea, honestly. Anyone that he's Um, like the happiest person I know, he's never had social media. So it's something to be said for that. And the last story I have for you is, do you usually watch Google's year in search video? Never once. Shocked by that. It is beautiful. It's like two to three minutes long every year. And it's Google's summary of what people were searching for the most in that year. And you can go back and see, I think up until, I don't know, 2000 or 2001, you can look at what people's top searches were for the year. And was the antitrust lawsuit against Google a top search this year or not? They didn't show that. That was actually one of my <laughs> big ways. I obviously cry every year when I watch it because it's beautifully done. It's by their internal brand studio. So they do a really good sure. job releasing it. But 
I was thinking when I was watching it, there's certainly a lot that's left out that I'm sure is really in people's top searches. They focus more on like celebrities, top athletes, top sports, music. So it's not like with everything with Google, there's massaging and edification on their end. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. This year it was, this year it was paying tribute to the last 25 years in search because I guess this is the 25th anniversary of Google search. And so it surfaced some of the top searches over the last two and a half decades. And included in that was top celebrity passing, Matthew Perry, which is crazy if you think about it with how many times people had to have searched that within the last however long. Also included was Barbie, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Nuclear fusion, randomly. Impacho from the list of fatal so far. I was writing down so many celebrities and I was like, I had to go back and watch it a second time to pick through the stuff that was meteor. <laughs> well, a nuclear fusion would have just been because the Oppenheimer movie was released as well. They did not make it seem like that in the, <laughs> in the storyline. Or they could have been because world wars are breaking out so people are more interested in understanding nuclear fusion. Either which way, we can we can press on. <laughs> also, Inter Miami, whatever that soccer league is, and I was like, oh, that must have been because of Beckham. And then I was thinking, maybe it's actually because people care about soccer. Could it, could it possibly be? Possibly. Yeah, I think in Australia, like our female soccer team, the Matildas, is the, was the most popular thing of 2023. Okay. And then The Last of Us took over, which I thought you would like. Oh, I forgot about that show. Yeah, it's epic. Yeah. Oh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Heaven. Wait, okay. So speaking of friends, have you seen on TikTok, people are doing a 2024 bingo card? Oh yeah, I have. So to contextualize it, as weird things have been unfolding, I guess this has been happening since the dawn of time, but on social media, when strange things occur, people are typically like, oh, this wasn't on my bingo card for this year. A global pandemic would have been one of them back in 2020. It's like, oh, didn't check that off the list yeah so given that this is trending right now i want to hear kel what your unhinged predictions are and i say unhinged because i feel like (laughs) not because they necessarily are here are mine i think speaking of george santos i think he's going to get a reality television show okay oh which i watch justin timberlake i think is going to have full cancellation and potentially divorce yes I think Kylie and Timotei are going to be engaged. And I think she's going to release another secret video similar to how she did when Stormy was born. I think she might get the ick from watching him in Willy Wonka and break up with him. Or fall in love. Speaking of your wedding plan. Who's <laughs> to say? Oh my God. I think Zendaya and Tom Holland will get secretly engaged. Oh yeah, love that one. I love them. I hope it's like elopement style i say that to them that's good secret marriage yeah. and he's gonna blow it on a talk show and tell everybody on accident yeah i think taylor swift's going to come out with a video game Ooh, that's an interesting one but yeah. seems like the next venture i suppose yeah like what universe hasn't she conquered yeah true my super bowl prediction is that the dolphins are going to win i don't have any reasoning behind it i just like them as a mascot <laughs> i think that the bump is going to come back in hairstyles oh no yeah. Yeah. My brother yeah. used to call it my skate rant. Yeah, it's not going to be good at all. And I'm a little worried about side parks starting to come back. Yeah, it's concerning. It's like the low rise Jane. And then, oh, I think blogs are coming back, but just in a different format. Yeah, that's a good one. Is that like Substack oh. vibes? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like that. And also, I think Ariana Grande obviously is going to break up with her boyfriend. And Taylor Swift will be engaged by the end of the year for sure. Maybe even halfway through. Well, that is in conflict with one of my predictions. 
No, Taylor not Swift and Travis Kelsey are breaking up in 2024. But no I think she'll be married by the end of the year. Not to him. Interesting. I feel like she's going to go elopement. Maybe because I eloped and I just feel like it's kind of, I'm noticing more people are doing that. I guess cost of living crisis and all that. <laughs> not that she has that issue. Yeah. I'm surprised you think this is her last fling before the ring. Yeah, why not? Feels like it needs to mix up the narrative a bit. Yeah. Do you have any others? Like, that was one. My other one is that I think traditional influences, particularly like parent influences who show their kids' faces on videos, I think that's going to shift dramatically in 2024 as AI deepfakes and we learn more about the potential of using images from online. Yes. And I think laws are going to start to move in this arena too, both in protecting the children and giving them access to the income they're helping generate. I think as the first generation of those like internet babies are starting to become young adult, I think this will become more and more a topic next year. And I think we may see changes there. That's a good one. I do think, you know how we've gone through this thing, the toxic work culture? Like, I feel like we're full circling back into that work ethos a bit, following hybrid work, the pandemic, flexibility, work-life balance. It kind of masqueraded as now people work more than ever before. Roles are being eliminated. Yeah. Companies aren't doing less work. It's just more and more responsibility seems to be falling onto people. So I feel like we're going to hit the next phase of that work hard and being busy is like a badge of honor again i don't think that's a good thing but i think maybe that that's gonna happen in 2024 especially as the pressure of like cost of living crisis come up yeah i think you'll move to australia hey manifest it baby put it out in the universe that's on my 2024 bingo card sorry o'shea family you can move to so i guess we can write these bingo cards down is that it for pop culture today yes should we move us into some news we sure can So the topic one that I have for you is talking about Ozempic and more broadly medications to assist with weight loss. And so I don't think you could miss it that the reporting on Oprah of her unveiling her new figure, that is a slimmed down version. Mm -hmm. So before you and I were born, but I've seen this clip on the internet over years and years, about 35 years ago, Oprah trotted onto a stage in high-waisted jeans, again, having had a slimmed down figure with a trolley behind her with actual fat, like animal fat of the weight she had lost. Have you ever seen this? No, but now Oprah, I'm remembering now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, she was so big with Weight Watchers, wasn't she? She's been on Weight Watchers. Yeah, she had like a controlling interest in Weight Watchers at some points. And so she's always been in the public eye. And I guess, of course, I don't believe that a woman's body and her looks are, are worth a headline. There's so much more on Oprah than her weight mm-hmm. but it's complicated when she has been an advocate for weight loss companies in the past and i think this one's interesting because as we know obesity is a huge problem globally it isn't yet the world's worst killer but it's trail smoking and war but it's quickly catching up and it was once a first world problem but now it's becoming a global issue it's even occurring in second and third world countries And with the cost of living crisis, concerns around food scarcity in the future, we know there's a food industry that has spent decades formulating addictive products that are highly processed, not good for us, and they target time poor consumers. They are also generally the companies that profit from like these fake solutions to obesity. Mm -hmm. So this is wading in some very deep waters. 
Kelly, how do you feel as we talk about this kind of topic? Like, as it relates to obesity problems in society, what do you think is appropriate to talk about or important to talk about? I think it's important that we talk about it as uncomfortable as it feels. And in, I think that there are two worlds that can exist. One in being supportive of, you know, it's your body and you can do what you want. And same with your health journey. And we can support Oprah in the same breath as being concerned about younger females looking at headlines and only seeing celebrities that are trying to lose weight. And then we can also be concerned about access and affordability to these drugs in general and whether this is actually a silver bullet, which I don't think it is to the whole obesity problem. But I do think it's important to talk about in general. And my mindset right now is it's great that it's helping some people that have struggled with obesity for their entire lives. I don't want it to get lost that the obesity epidemic is so much more than the hormone attacking drugs, like the environmental factors and socioeconomic factors that are related to obesity are so strong and present in places. I feel like we talk so much about Ozempic and we're kind of critiquing that and that time and conversation would probably be better off spent towards hopefully drawing attention to some of those other pieces as well. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that there's such systemic change that needs to happen here. And, you know, the Danish inventor of Ozempic, it was kind of an accident. They specialized in treating diabetes, much like the Viagra pill. Didn't come about through diabetes, but it was an accident. It was discovered unintentionally, as it happens in science. So I think that to your point around the silver bullet, it's, I think, really positive that there can be a new drug that can reverse this cycle of obesity for those who have tried many other mechanisms and can't shift weight. And I think, you know, I've heard anecdotally, people go to the doctors and they get told whatever symptoms they're having like come back when you've lost 20 pounds or 20 kilos they're not given any support in how to do that have tried their whole lives and you know no one is listening to them and nothing is helping in those cases get those people access to the support that they need and this is not something that's just like a marketing scheme this has real outcomes the other piece is that they're still figuring out what are the side effects there have been reports that it actually helps kidney function it helps address addiction issues even beyond food addiction. So we don't know yet the full extent of what this can mean. As we know, in some patients, it makes them have really bad stomach issues. It doesn't shift weight. It, It doesn't work the same for everyone. And I think that's the case with most drugs. And I think to your point around, there's a delicate balance of making sure that young, impressionable minds don't just see the headlines and think being rake thin is positive. It's a broader conversation around holistic health. And hopefully, if I was to like dare to dream and dream big, Ozempic is going to stop benefiting those that are setting up a system where they're targeting time poor, low income consumers with really unhealthy, high processed foods Mm. that, you know, over time, they're not going to be able to sell and move their products anymore. So they're going to have to shift. And likewise, with those pharmaceutical industries and these things that parade as lifestyle that are really just about making you feel like you have low self-esteem because you don't meet a certain weight, but they don't actually really help you create change. Those businesses also suffer as a result of some of these new kind of interventions 
my hope is that that'll happen so we have broader conversations around health yeah. it is still very cost prohibitive too so ozempic is one thousand dollars per month in the us for people so this isn't accessible to everyone that was reported in the abc which is the australian book broadcasting corporation article that i was reading we can link that in the show notes none of this is medical evidence still a lot to find out I think this was just interesting to discuss because Oprah Winfrey came out, admitted that she'd used assistance in her weight loss this time around, which brings into the forefront Ozempic and its role in society in the future. So that's that's my news topic. And because you've been covering them exceptionally well, you have one for me. I do. My news topic for you, there was a new report from StubHub showing that there was a huge spike from Gen Z and millennials to see artists, especially female ones, in 2023. And it's a trend that's just getting started. Probably could have predicted this with the skyrocketing ticket prices of Taylor Swift and Beyonce from the past year. But some interesting statistics around this that I wanted to raise to you and get your thoughts on was that 60% of Gen Zers surveyed in partnership with YouGov said that they would skip major life events if they could be front row for their favorite artist's live performance. This includes things like a new family member being born, the wedding of a friend, or a pre-planned vacation. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the level of planning and like the showmanship in concerts. Like artists don't tour as often. I feel like back when I was younger, you'd go and see an artist and yeah, they had a cool one outfit, maybe two, and they had backup dancers, but most concerts were similar. They had different lighting, different, you know, slightly different pieces. Compare what concerts used to look like then to what they're like now, where they're pretty much like Broadway productions and a concert. I wonder if it's also that there's less of a supply of artists aren't on tour as much because of internet spotify they don't they don't tour as often also with the amalgamation of access to the tickets being controlled effectively by a monopoly that there's just the pricing and like the dynamic pricing that never used to exist just makes it so unattainable that if you are going to go to a concert it's like your version of idolizing someone so you would miss anything in any event to go to it totally that's crazy yeah even not even crazier but in line with how crazy that is there also was a june report from experian saying that 63 percent of gen z and 59 percent of millennials said that they would prefer spending money on life experiences which ranges from concerts to travel rather than invest in their retirement (laughs) yeah (laughs) with the cost of living crisis on our hands that was the question i had for you is if you felt like it's coming from our culture of online sharing and comparison less trust in the financial structures of the past and more spending or something else entirely or a combination it's probably a combination of all factors this is my armchair hypothesis right but i would imagine that like we've talked about in the past because those loftier goals of owning homes owning cars kind of all those pieces that were considered to be like foundational to a comfortable life and then you get experiences over and above that because that just feels so out of reach for so many people these days i feel like it's kind of an attitude of like okay well i'm gonna spend my money on the here and now and the experiences because i can't set myself up long term so like i'll worry about that later it's probably too partly that there's not a lot of trust in the systems in place we look at climate change and the disruption that that's predicted to bring across the global economies and geographical disruption and displacement so you know people might be like there's no point in planning for the future because it may all turn to nothing so i'm gonna make use of now i don't know i likely different person to person but it has to be those kind of themes 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. What do you think? I, like the one thing I was thinking where I was trying to think in my head what's the biggest difference between now and when our parents were our age. And the one thing that was top of mind, top of mind for me is no one saw when you were going to a Taylor Swift concert equivalent back in their day. You might show some of your closest friends or talk about it with some fellow concert goers, but you're really going for yourself and an appreciation of the music. And now seeing that someone else was there motivates you to want to go more and makes you wonder if they're doing it, why can't I do it too? And it sets a totally unrealistic expectation for lifestyle. So it's just creating yeah. this warp in general where it's almost like we have less appreciation for money that's going to sit and grow. That is a great point. It's almost like online FOMO, the concept of you are the company you keep, what you surround yourself with, you subconsciously start to desire. So as we see all this stuff on social media, we find ourselves yearning for things that if we actually took a step back and thought about it, probably would never don't value and don't want but you kind of do follow the herd a bit totally. which is scary totally like i notice when i spend a lot of time around certain friends that spend a lot of money on like designer items and then i spend time with people who don't care about that at all and i find myself sometimes i'm hyper aware and being like maybe i do want a nice bag and then depending on who i'm around it can be months later and i'm like that's so silly why would i have ever spent money like that totally. but i yeah these stats are quite jarring Crazy. that's super interesting well we're moving in love that and we're going to finish with our last segment of the day the little delicious sandwich we give our listeners so as a reminder this is things we've been consuming from a content perspective it can be articles shows movies podcasts tiktoks product how do you name it it's content and things we're loving this week and i'm gonna start and this is an issue close to my heart and this is eyebrow care <laughs> That is close to your heart. I'm hairy. I'm just going to say it. That's where we're at. It's who I am. And a benefit of that for me is that I have brows and I have dark hair, so you can fill in the gap. And as the finance brain that I am, paying like over $100 to get my eyebrows laminated just started to get really ridiculous. So... I took to TikTok and figured out that you can get brow lamination kits at home, which I started doing probably two years ago now. But to up my game, there is an eyebrow filter on TikTok. I don't know if you've seen it, Kelly, but it, you put it up on your face and it like shows you where your eyebrows should be, like where they should end, where it should start and where the art should be to like suit your face shape. Mm. And so for shits and gigs, I was like, let's put it on my face, see what's up. The start and the arch of my eyebrow was spot on, except the ends went like quite a bit longer than they recommended. And so I was in a bit of a whatever mood. <laughs> so I took out a pencil and drew where they said it should end and just shaved off the end of my eyebrows. But I'm taking off my hat so Kelly can actually see it because where I had a hat on. It feels like it's giving me like a facelift. No, it does. Your just eyebrows look and again, this is probably not the best recommendation for a non-visual medium. And we won't be posting pictures of my eyebrows because it's not worth that. But if anyone is game enough and tries to do their eyebrows at home, highly recommend doing brow lamination and getting this filter on your face and going for it because I found success if I do say so myself. Love that. So that is a little TikTok filter, personal at home care rec for everyone. The other... Two things on TV. As usual, I'm very late to the party. I started Ozark. It's so good. I'm hooked. It has betrayal, obviously crime. Jason Bateman is phenomenal in it. Although I feel like he kind of plays the same character all the time, but it works. 
Yeah. Um, it, it has layers, it has twists and turns. I guess if you've liked other wrecks of mine, I think you'll like this one. So that's a TV series. And it's so dark. That's my problem. I But I also, I struggle with anything too dark. Yeah, I mean, it. it's kind of quite depressing. <laughs> it does. I did look at my husband and I was like, see, you should be in it with me. You learn very quickly that it was the husband and wife kind of supported one another through the twists and turns that take place. Mm-hmm. And it just gets progressively more out of control. Yeah. And Sam has looked at me multiple times saying, like, this is exactly why I would never support you. <laughs> you made the wrong decision. You have the exact opposite um, take. Yeah, but I'm loving it. And then the other thing I watched was the Jean-Baptiste documentary, American Symphony. I think he's so incredibly talented, as is his wife, who is featured in the documentary. It's an incredible story. It makes you think about people who are just disruptors and, like, put on this earth to change it. It's got all of that. I will say, at times, the doco moved a bit slow for me, but that's pretty standard because I'm not great with movies, <laughs> especially if they unwind not completely quickly. So, that's good to know, though, if you're like, it? no, I haven't. And I was going to say, I'm in a smaller apartment, and sometimes I like putting out a documentary and having it be on while I'm putzing around or doing other things, and it feels like that could be a good one for that. Yeah. It could be. Or you might be sitting there bawling your eyes out because you love the arts more than I do. So I guess report back. You'll have to watch it before you get into your holiday watching. Excited. So now give our listeners what they probably want at this time of year. I think you've got like a little package for us of content. I do. It's not a holiday listen. The recommendation I have is for those of us that are gearing up for the new year and seeking more happiness and well-being in 2024, Arthur Brooks, who's an Atlantic columnist and social scientist, appeared on the Happiness Lab with Dr. Laurie Santos, who studied the science of happiness and found that many of us do the exact opposite of what will truly make our lives better. And Laurie Santos also created the course, The Science of Wellbeing, which went viral years ago at Yale and now is offered online for free. So she has a podcast called The Happiness Lab. It's amazing. It's very science-based from a true, true expert. And she really aims to unravel what the different elements are that contribute to our overall happiness. And as you would probably expect, those elements are very different from what we would think. So in this specific episode between two experts, they discuss the elements of happiness, why we're evolutionary wired to be drawn to negative news and information, and why reflecting back on those negative situations months later can change what you've learned and your happiness coming out of it, and why finding a lot of happiness also requires experiencing a lot of unhappiness. So I really enjoyed it. I've listened to this podcast for ages, but it was a good episode to kind of reel me back in, so I thought you would enjoy it as well. Oh, I love Now that is something I will get around and like. I'll send you the episode. You were talking at the very top of the episode about how much purpose and meaning you found in some of your work you're doing now. And that was a big core element that they talked about was the purpose and satisfaction that you're finding from your day-to-day work and contribution with other people. There you go. And I guess that makes sense given like we spend so many hours working. How could it not have an impact on our mental health? Totally. It doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing or where you're finding your purpose, but it has to be somewhere in order for you to find happiness. That's a great pre-New Year listen, I feel. Set us all up for mental health prosperity in the New Year. Yeah. And I guess, Kel, quite fitting that as we close out our last episode for the year, what are you most looking forward to about 2024? I think 
2024 is shaping up to be a very busy year already with events. And I'm reframing that into having so many things to be excited about from different friends that are going to be celebrating huge life events to taking some really exciting trips to just kind of grounding myself in my time in New York. And I feel very lucky that that is the mix of life that I'm getting to deal with in the next year. So just kind of taking the time to appreciate every different element as it comes up is what I'm most excited for. I'm going to get to see a lot of my favorite people next year in person, which is great. We love that. What about you? Those in-person moments. I'm most looking forward to also sharing a lot of love and celebrations and those big milestones. And I think for me, it'll be a, a year of creating new traditions. So really focused on community, like Seb and I really want to create really deliberate time we spend one another and be really mindful of how we do it game nights and australian versions of thanksgiving and and just a bunch of other things that make them kind of pillars within our lives and those in others lives i've always enjoyed when people wrap me into their versions of that so there's no reason why we can't start my own tradition so that will be a focus of next year and i'm really excited for it and i think continuing on the journey of paying close attention to my mind and like reframing things and paying as you said like framing things differently really appreciating how important the story we tell ourselves is to our health and happiness and i think that's just one we can keep rolling through every single year (laughs) probably until the rest of time well how fun i we didn't even say for our gratitude thing that we started this in 2023 that's true it goes without saying. I, we talked about that at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it's been so fun having this kind of little creative endeavor we do on the side. Same. All right. Well, I guess I have to love you and leave you. And to our listeners, have an amazing holiday, hopefully a break in there, and have a wonderful new year. Can you believe we're almost in 2024? Yeah, well, we'll catch you guys next year. <laughs> Bye.